0: Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their
1: finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast. Brian Peter Angelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, May 27th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and with me today, I'd like to introduce our roundtable of investing experts here to make sense out of this week's market activity. George Matteo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. And before we begin today's podcast, I wanted to pause for a moment to reflect on two topics. First, as we head into the three-day weekend that ends with the Memorial Day holiday on Monday, I believe it's vitally important to honor those who died in military service to our country, the actual purpose of the holiday, with origins dating back to 1866 and with Congress making it an official holiday in 1968. Freedom is not free in our great country, and again, we honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Second, I'd like to pause to recognize those individuals and families that suffered horrible loss of life in both Buffalo and Texas recently. Extremely sad news. Life is precious, so let's do what we can to help and support each other. So turning back to the markets and the economy, it's been a positive week for the stock market, advancing thus far through Thursday after multiple weeks of declines. We also had the personal consumptions expenditure or PCE inflation print this morning, indicating some moderate signs of slowing. Unemployment claims stayed low and we had meeting minutes released from the Fed's meeting back on May 4th. So let's start with you, Rajiv. What did the minutes reveal? Did we learn anything new? And what are the implications for the Fed and the markets? Thank you, Brian. And uh,
2: if you read through the Fed minutes, uh, most Fed officials agreed that uh, the central bank needs to continue to tighten. Uh, So we're thinking about 50 basis points per meeting for the next couple of meetings, that's exactly what the message is from the Fed minutes. And it continues to be an aggressive message, um, a set of moves that would allow the Fed to have some level of um, optionality by the sometime later this year. So say we have a uh, 250 basis points move in the next two meetings, if we extrapolate from the Fed minutes, it would give them an opportunity then to assess the data and kind of see where we are. Uh, they also, in the minutes, updated the forecast for inflation as measured by the PCE of 4.3% in 2022, but they lowered their forecast to 2.5% in 2023 and 2.1% in 2024. This itself moved the market uh, because if the forecast is accurate, it would imply that the next expected three half-point rate hikes would end the current tightening cycle. They would allow themselves to have a break at that point and see whether uh, the data is supporting their efforts, whether inflation is starting to finally come down. Uh, it would be interesting to see if we would have some kind of risk rally in the second half of the year, and I think a lot of uh, market participants started feeling that way just by looking at the minutes. The minutes also revealed a uh, concern over elevated inflation, obviously, but uh, some suggestion that inflation may have peaked as it was starting to uh, impact demand. Uh, regardless, an inflation peak doesn't really uh, change the Fed's near term course. Uh, we still expect 50 basis point rate hikes. Uh, because the level of inflation is still at multi decade highs. Uh, If you look at the Treasury curve, uh, following the minutes, uh, they fluctuated, nudged a little wider. Uh, The spread between fives and thirties moved wider by to about uh, 23 and a half basis points from 22 and a half basis points before the Fed report. But if you look at the overall messaging of the the Fed minutes, uh, really the 50 basis point hikes, it still seems hawkish. Uh, but in line with market expectations, there was nothing that really moved the the needle. But uh, there are a couple of things that were extraneous that you look at. Uh, They may say that, uh, you know, the Fed minutes did not mention anything about a 75 basis point rate hike, which is good uh, for market participants because no one is expecting that. Uh, Several officials also noted that uh, there could be treasury market volatility because of liquidity. Uh, Several saw risk in the markets as balance sheet shrinks and many saw the Fed would be well positioned later this year after the tightening, the current tightening cycle. So that's really what the uh, impact of the Fed minutes was. I'd be curious to see what you thought, George. Uh, any impact on the market?
3: You know, I think it's kind of interesting, Regine. We talked about this a brief, uh, briefly last week when we got together that the Fed might be starting to think about easing off the the brakes a little bit. I um, know we kind of shot that down to some extent, but. It was kind of telling to me to see a couple of Fed officials come out and and suggest as much where there's a few, I don't know if they're maybe less important or maybe less followed uh, Fed officials, but there seemed to be a bit of traction behind that narrative that the Fed, as you pointed out, might be starting to think about how they, they kind of walk this back a little bit or consider pausing or, as you said, giving them some some flexibility in the outlook. Does the market um, does the market in your opinion receive kind of hang their hat on some of that narrative or is it really kind of just thinking that the date itself is slow? Because you know we saw a lot of significant you know kind of slowdown numbers if you will, this week. Housing, I think was was one of those sectors that had historically been quite strong. And again, this week we saw housing numbers. I think the home price sales were down some 17%. Um, you know inventories have started to climb up a little bit. Uh, so we've kind of started to see some of these pressures ease off a little bit. But again, the the Fed officials who have been commenting publicly that uh, they might have to consider pausing, is that something that we can really
2: believe? Well, it's a very good point, George. I think that uh, the market, if you look at the Treasury markets, almost supporting the Fed's narrative in the sense that an economic slowdown is bringing down the 10 year as well. And we're seeing a 10 year way below the 3 percent point that we saw just a few weeks ago. And I think that that kind of helps the Fed uh, in the interim, that they can ease off a little bit. Uh, you also have a fact that uh, they're looking to thread the needle and I think that what's going to happen here is that the 50 basis points are already baked into the market. Anything less than that would be would be a tremendous uh, upset to the market and I don't think we're going to see that. But it does give the Fed the opportunity to see where the data is midsummer. And uh, if they do see a slowdown in inflation, it could help them take the uh, the foot off the pedal. But I really feel that like the Fed uh, generally works to um, you know, complete their their uh, their initiatives, and I think that what will happen is we've seen it in the past. Also, the Fed uh, sometimes overshoots, and I think that we're going to we could see that as well. I don't think any Fed official really has been speaking too much this week to uh, you know slowing down in any way. Everybody just uh, keeping along with the 50 basis point narrative for now. Uh, but uh, do we see a slowdown or give them the optionality later on in the summer? I think we could see that.
3: Yeah, I think the optimal phrase that they seem to be kind of focusing on is clear and convincing evidence uh, that that inflation is coming down. And you know, as you pointed out, and and Brian mentioned too, we have seen some some suggestions that it is coming down, but maybe not that much uh, as well. But you know, the other side of the coin, I guess, the, you know, we kind of have that debate going on right now uh, about inflation. Where where is it going? And then maybe the other big debate, I think, on 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 the investment side is is what is the outlook for growth. And uh, you know we saw we saw some numbers this week that again suggest that growth is slowing as well. So we look at these things called PMIs or these Purchasing Manager Index indices. Um, typically, anything above a fifty reading suggests that the overall economic, economic activity is accelerating. Anything below fifty would suggest that the economy is contracting. That doesn't mean it's a recession, but it just suggests that the activity is 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 less and it's going down. You know those numbers actually did come down a little bit this week. So just a month or so ago, they were kind of in the mid fifties. Um, now, they're kind of mid to high 50s, I should say. Now, they're more in the lower end of the 50 range, if you will. So again, we've seen some momentum come down a little bit on uh, some of those near-term indicators. And then at the company level, Steve, I'll, I'll kick it over to you because I think it's really um we're going to see a lot of cross-currents that have emerged with some of these really well-known companies reporting earnings. You know, some companies are talked about actually pretty good top-line growth, but some of the margin pressures were pretty acute. And we saw just a ton of dispersion, it seems like, amongst the winners and losers in the overall Uh, corporate earning reporting season, if you will. So what's the read through to you, Steve, with respect to earnings and where we're going from the the equity market perspective and the focus on growth? Well, it's very interesting, George. I
4: mean, when you look at the 2Q estimates for the S&P 500 in aggregate, they're down 1.2% since the end of March. Um, Bears have tried to flag that as a recessionary sign. But when you take a look at how these Earnings numbers have evolved historically. When you take a look at 2Q EPS, um, literally every quarter we see a bit of a dip uh, as we're getting to this point in the cycle uh, because we're still a month to a month and a half away from actually entering into the earnings season. So this is the part of the earnings cycle this quarter where we see analysts actually lowering their numbers so that the companies have a lower bar to beat when they actually report. So I don't see anything right now that's out of the ordinary in terms of the earnings reporting numbers that gives me any cause for concern. In fact, when you take a look at the earnings aggregate, um, irrespective of you know major retailers announcing what they're talking about in terms of uh, margin pressures and this and that, Uh, We still continue to see the earnings aggregate number for the S&P 500 trend up over the last month, um, not down. So, you know, I think that that as long as we see that number continue to go up, it's going to be a potential positive or a lift factor for the equity markets as we move through the balance of the year. Where I really start to get concerned about the market is if we see that number start to inflect lower, but right now we don't have
3: any sign of that. Yeah, I think that's the key thing to watch as it relates to um, the overall corporate backdrop in the, uh, the equity markets. You know, I also would kind of point out, Steve, that we've seen this kind of move on again with re- respect to the technicals too. And, you know, we've seen a pretty good move in terms of the, the balance. I think we're what, maybe five or 6% or so uh from the the lows of a few, a few weeks ago um is this is this bounce believable in your view
4: well how durable it is is to be determined um the fact that we were uh, potentially primed for a bounce is uh, obviously indisputable at this point since we've bounced um but i i would say that you know when you look at where we were at la- late last week um you know as we approached the seventh week in a row for the s p 500 down You know, historically, that that has not happened very often. I think it was three times in the data that I that I cited last week. Um, It just is not normal. Um, And then when you started to go into the into some of the market internals, sentiment was was very, very washed out. Sentiment is not something I like to look at in in, uh, uh, alone especially survey driven sentiment, which has been quite negative for a number of weeks now. But we started to see some other things such as put call ratios, other market driven sentiment measures really start to move to levels that suggested things had been really washed out. And then to me, the key in Rajeevil like this, the key has always been credit for this equity market. Um, intraday last Friday, we saw high yield CDX print a, a low that is now 83 basis points below where high yield CDX is trading today. That is a massive rally in high yield. So it really tells me that the risk sentiment this week um, has, been, uh, has been full on. And in fact, the, the risk sentiment move in high yield or the risk move in high yield suggests that the equity rally may have a little bit further to run than, than uh, we already have gone.
3: I think that's okay. a great point, Steve. I think it just again reinforces what we said before as well, in the sense that, um, you know, I, I think that the correlations, if you will, the, the kind of movements between stock prices and bond prices continues to be pretty elevated. So when people think about um, diversification, they think about portfolio construction. Typically, when, when stocks go up, uh, bonds could be, could be flat perhaps. But when stocks have historically fallen, um, bonds could actually provide some stabilization to a portfolio. What we saw this year is that those those movements between stocks and bond prices have been more correlated. So we've seen earlier this year stock prices going down and bond prices going down, too. So what we've been trying to recommend clients consider is maybe other things in their portfolio to provide some uh, robust diversification, if you will. So I think that's an important observation, too. I'm really glad you mentioned the fact that there is some read through for the credit markets, Steve, to the equity markets. Um, so I think that's a, that's a great, uh, great comment uh, to make an observation to note. I'll just kind of end by saying I really want to express my heartfelt thanks to all the brave men and women who continue to serve and protect our country. Um, my sincere gratitude and all of, our, all of our gratitude goes out to all of them and their families who sacrificed so much and really afford us the freedom that really makes our country great. So on that, I uh, wish everybody a great weekend and thanks for listening.
1: So George, Steve and Rajiv, thanks for your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We hope everyone has a safe and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is
0: comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities including Key Private Bank, Key Bank Institutional Advisors, Key Private Client, and Key Investment Services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, Member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of KeyBank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through KeyCorp Insurance Agency USA Incorporated or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.